1: with my Samela,
0: Mark Thompson. Make
1: it Get woke. God bless you, get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, No fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us today as we get ready for November, we want to talk about an opportunity in Texas. Is Texas purple? Will it be blue? What's gonna happen this November? Well, someone is running to unseat John Cornyn. Um, I think 2018 um, was defined as the year of women candidates and I don't think that's necessarily stopped. Uh, It could be an argument made in 2020. could also be the year of women. We have a woman on the ticket. There are many, many women running for office which is a great thing. So here we have a wonderful woman running to unseat John Cornyn in Texas, military veteran at that. We wanna welcome MJ Hagar. MJ, how are you this morning?
2: I'm really well, thank you so much for asking. How are you, Mark? I'm I'm
1: good, I'm good. I'm praying that you and your uh, loved ones have been Healthy and safe in the pandemic.
2: Yes, sir. I mean, we've had you know members of our family sick, or lose jobs, or get laid off. Um, we've been blessed to be probably hand. Ha- we we have it a lot better than than most people. I mean, one of the one of the hard things about being on the campaign trail is hearing how people are suffering. So I am very aware of how blessed we are. Um, my kiddos are, are doing well. Um, we're, we're trying to keep them from feeling the stress. Sometimes we see them feel the stress. They see people with masks on and things and they want to know what's going on. Um, my five-year-old's doing virtual kindergarten right now with my husband as we speak. Uh (laughs) So, um, it's been interesting, but, but how about you? How are you and your family? Uh,
1: We've been fortunate, you know, I'm hearing this episode in New York. So we got hit hard early and it was a little scary, but you know, Fortunately, we've been healthy, you know, and fine, and everything. I'm so so I'm that. thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the kids, because I I saw the wonderful ad about you, you know, going from uh, uh, helicoptering to carpooling. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> you mentioned the five-year-old kid. And can, how many children do you have?
2: Um, I've got uh, two, and then I have three stepkids. So we have five total. So
1: is what's the situation? Since you mentioned virtual, what's the situation with schools in Texas? Have they reopen? Is everything virtual? Yeah.
2: You know, we're being hit so hard in Texas, um, and really it depends on what part of Texas you're talking about. In the Rio Grande Valley, um, people are dying at four times the state average. Um, they're really suffering and, and, and having a really hard time getting the attention that, that they need to get the resources and the help and support that they need i was just down there um trying to bring some attention to that situation um so it really depends on the part of the state um some of the more rural areas that uh traditionally are having a hard time getting access to resources access to healthcare um the attack on the postal service is is you know hurting them um education public education is something that we always struggle with in in rural areas but but because they're more spread out they're having um, lower infection rates and, uh, you know, better access to testing in some cases. Um, so it really just kind of depends on the town. Um, I can speak from my experience and say that, um, you know, my five-year-old, my three-year-old's an introvert and he is loving this. Um, but my, my five-year-old's an extrovert. And so, um, there is so much to education in addition to the academic side of it. Um, so I've got to make sure that he, keeps up this social interaction that he craves. Um, I know that there were a lot of families who count on schools for nutrition. I know that there are a lot of kids who count on schools to catch abuse. Um, so I'm very worried about the impact it's having on kids to be virtual. Um, and, and, and instead of debating whether or not our kids should be going back to school, and whether or not schools should be opening and forcing schools to open and not listening to teachers, um, I think we should be talking about what do we need to do to get those schools open. We can all agree the schools need to open, (laughs) but we just need to talk about how do we do it safely instead of just, you can't just snap your fingers and order something um, and not talk about, you know, I'm, I'm seeing such a huge lack of crisis management. I think that that's what I'm getting at. It really bothers me as a military veteran trained in crisis management. And then I spent five years working in healthcare where we had to deal with crisis management. I don't see any, milestones and rubrics and you know hey when this number gets to here we're going to take this action I'm just not seeing it I'm seeing a lot of politicization and um what's what does my party leadership want me to say Uh, what's best for my reelection? and it's just it just makes me ill
1: well we know why we're not seeing that crisis management obviously MJ you know the the fish rots from the head so there's nothing coming from the very top so um, um so just stay on COVID for a minute. How much is this and, and the, the lack of crisis management and the COVID issue, how much of that is going to be uh, the main issue for voters in Texas when they vote for Senate?
2: I think it is a huge issue. Um, In Texas, we Uh, had a healthcare crisis before COVID where we had nearly one out of every five Texans without access to healthcare. And now because we're on an employer provided model, it's one out of three Uh, Texans from the ages of 18 to 65 don't have health insurance. Um, When I worked in healthcare, we knew that we were in the middle of a crisis to try to keep doors open and lights on in rural hospitals across the state. Um, So when you see an attack on Medicaid and Medicare, and when you see you know, politicians like John Cornyn prioritizing his big donors from the health insurance industry and from big pharma over working people in Texas, then, you, you know, the fact that people, the, the, the fact that John Cornyn and his ilk are attacking people's access to healthcare now in the middle of a pandemic, when he was attacking it before the pandemic, it was bad enough. But now in the middle of a pandemic, I think it's making people wake up to, um, what, one objection I don't hear anymore is, I don't want to pay for my neighbor's health care. Why should I care if my neighbor has health care? I like my health care. You know? That wasn't an uncommon thing to hear. And I would try to explain to people from my time working in healthcare, care, we are paying for each other's health care. When you pay $50 for a, a tablet of ibuprofen or you have a high premium, it's because so many people have to seek care in the most expensive place, which is the trauma and emergency setting. Um, that's why that tablet of ibuprofen is $50 because we're trying to spread the cost and trying to keep the doors open. But when John Cornyn attacks, you know, protections for preexisting conditions, and they say they're going to protect preexisting conditions, but they're all about tearing things down, whether it's the Affordable Care Act or the Paris Climate Accord or the Iran nuclear deal, tear it down, tear it down, tear it down down without providing a replacement, without having an idea for what? we can't go back to before the Affordable Care Act because that was even worse. Um, and so there are things about the Affordable Care Act we need to improve on. There's things that we need to protect like pre-existing conditions protections. Um, but the answer is not just tear everything down and not replace it with anything. So I believe that we need to give people access to Medicare. I, I support having a public option so that you can buy into Medicare. I, I was on TRICARE for a time, which is military Medicare, basically. And that was the best care that I received. And I wanna fight for Texans' ability to, to have access to that. So the, the pandemic hasn't changed how we're talking about healthcare, but it has magnified an already existing problem. Um, it's, it's also magnified the, the economic crisis here uh, with the lack of support for small businesses, especially minority-owned small businesses. It's magnified the the problem with the fact that 15% of our economy is in the oil industry and the boom and bust of the oil industry, you know, John Cornyn is just protecting the profit margins for the CEOs. He's not fighting for the workers in the oil industry. So they're losing their jobs. We're leading the nation in the oil industry bankruptcies right now. And, And that happened, that started before the pandemic also, when Saudi Arabia and Russia flooded the market. So with oil. So, I mean... You know, you're asking how the pandemic, is that going to be central to people's uh, vote? Yes, on one hand, because they don't feel like John Cornyn is trying to keep them safe and fighting for them, but also it's magnifying these issues that were here before the pandemic.
1: So uh, hearing you say that, some of the old arguments are more and more of the Texas electorate getting, or have they gotten, how vital, how how vital the Affordable Care Act was, and how it needs to be expanded. Are, are people clearer now with it magnified? Wait a minute, this is <laughs> stuff just got really real.
2: Well, I think because I and my team have been pointing out so much how much money John Cornyn is getting from these various entities, and nobody had ever done that before. That Texans are kind of starting to look around and go, "Holy crap! I I had no idea he was." Taking so much money, he's taking so much money from the private prison facilities. No wonder he's voting against bipartisan comprehensive immigration reform because having a broken immigration system is lining the pockets of the of the private detention centers that are at max capacity. So, you know, I think people are starting to put two and two together. Um, And you know, I, I I'm proud of my state because it can be hard to. Become an engaged voter when you were apathetic, or or consider voting for someone from a different party. I mean, I voted for John Cornyn in two thousand two. I went through this process of, oh my gosh, I regret my votes and I wasn't voting in line with my values. I went through that process, and so I understand the process that a lot of Texans are are going through now. Um, because I was raised in a very rural Republican part of the the state, and and when you wake up and realize that that's not who you are, it can be jarring, <laughs> you know. Um people, John Cornyn is so focused on fear. He wants people, you know, to, to fear voting for me. He wants them to fear that I'm going to take away police funding and there's going to be riots and I'm going to come and take their guns and uh, the oil economy is, you know I mean? Like he's just, just runs on fear, 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 fear. And and that's not a powerful motivator to get people to the polls. Um, I, I believe that we're going to win this race because I am a Texan. I, I am a, a regular working Mom, I have worried about where I'm going to get my health care from. I've worried about if Social Security is going to be there for me. I've been laid off from a job. I've waited tables. John Cornyn is on, he's currently receiving three taxpayer-funded pensions. Three. And he has another one coming to him, a fourth when I retire him this November. So do you think he's ever worried about whether or not Social Security is going to be there to support him? No. He, he doesn't understand the challenges that we have faced. And I think that that's going to be the key.
1: Um. Have, are you on the air? Are you, have you been able to get on television yet? Doing television ads and whatnot?
2: Um, during the primary and the runoff, um, we have yet to air our really awesome, amazing general election ads that I've I've previewed, and I can't wait. I'm I'm itching yeah. <laughs> to get yeah. out there because they're fabulous. Um, so uh, to to be so close to him in the polling, having not gone up with our general election messaging, is very encouraging. Yeah,
1: no, that that is that is good to know. So it is not an exaggeration when we hear people say um, that Texas is is purplish to blue. That's that's actually right. happening, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yes, it is happening. And I don't think that it's necessarily a change. Um, we've been 49th or 50th in voter turnout for so long that we're really just starting to vote in line with our values. You know, it, it's not, Texas is very skeptical of, of government. Um, they, they, we, we, we want you know politicians kind of to stay out of our business. And for a long time, our elected officials think that have fought for the government's right to tell us who to marry, or to tell a woman what to do with her body, or to tell us what a family should look like, or what religion we should practice. Um, you know, the Muslim ban, for, for for example, was something that was highly offensive to me as someone who worked in a country Well, we did three tours in Afghanistan and worked with local, um, you know, locals who were providing us intel or interpretation services or things like that. And they were putting their families at risk and their lives on the line because we promised them visas. And then to turn around and say, you can't come to this country because of the religion that you practice. I, I mean, I, I just think that for a long time, our low voter turnout has led to our elected officials being completely out of touch with Texas values, um, not exhibiting the character, the characteristics that we're so proud of in Texas—the independent-mindedness, the use your own brain and come up with your own ideas. Don't don't listen to somebody talking your ear, whether it's a corporate donor or your party leadership. Put your neighbors and yourself and your families ahead of your ambition and your ego and your, you know, trying to grab the cameras. I mean, the the actions of our elected officials are just not in line with what it means to be a Texan. And finally, Texans are sick of that and are standing up and saying, no, I've had enough. I'm gonna vote for the right person this
1: time. So ladies and gentlemen, I think everyone's aware um, a lot of times in political campaigns, when those of us who are African-Americans or people of color run for office, they, they will alter our images, uh, our skin complexion, or whatnot. But then I look up MJ, and they did the same thing to you. They did the same thing and to me. Yeah. when I saw the alteration, I was like, "What in the world is this?" And now I'm actually seeing you on Zoom. I mean, you are so young. You know, <laughs>
2: I mean, it's funny that you say that because I was thinking they did me a favor because sometimes people think I'm too young to to serve in the Senate, and I'm not. I'm 44. Um, I just, you know, have been aging well. You really <laughs> and, have. You know, I,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm trying honest, to show my gray, I, like I've got gray hair here. Well, hopefully, I, can see my gray. I see a little bit. I see a little bit. It's not that bad. Well, I don't mean to hurt your campaign. You don't look 44, so, you know.
2: Oh, well, thanks. At all. <laughs> i moisturize and I use sunblock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, what What in the world? What?
2: I know. It's, you know why? We're we're trying to get a debate on the books. Um, we're having a hard time getting him to you know nail down and commit to a date, of course. Um, and it's because of this very thing. I mean, I have truth and fact, and of course science, but also the truth is that my policies and my vision for this state are going to be what 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 is fighting for regular families in Texas, and 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 they don't have truth. They they have you know, fiction and distraction and lies. And luckily we have built a strong enough viable campaign and team to call them out when they lie. And so it makes it difficult for them to lie, but they're still going to lie. They're going to alter images. They're going to uh, attribute, you know, policy positions to me that I don't support um, because it's the only hope that they have. I mean, John Cornyn has such a low name ID. It's somewhere like 67%, I think was the last number that I saw Mm -hmm. Um, for a three-term senator, but part of that is by design because more the more people learn about him, the less they like him, the lower his approval rating goes. He has something like a 28 to 32 approval rating, and Ted Cruz had a 52 when he went up against Beto. Mm. So this guy is not fighting for Texas. He's not fighting for anyone but himself in his own career. And and that's very clear. Um, and so all they have is to lie and to alter images and to alter my words and my my uh, my vision for this state because they know that if Texans know what I'm fighting for, they're gonna vote for me. Well,
1: and it's it's on a spectrum of of no information to disinformation. So you fly below that radar. And that's what a lot of those politicians do. They stay in office for 30 years and just kind of lay low. And you're right, he probably doesn't mind his low voter ID and the lower name ID because he's not able uh, to be held accountable. Lastly, um, MJ, where, where, how does it look in terms of mail-in balloting in Texas, early voting? I mean, I know all of this is more important than ever before. Um, How really can pick up, can people pick up ballots? So how does that calculus work and, and how, if at all, does that calculus benefit your campaign?
2: So we have seen a surge in voter turnout and in grassroots enthusiasm across the state, um, both last cycle and this cycle again. And people are showing that they will crawl over broken glass to vote. And that's exciting to see as a Texan, because like I said, we were 49th or 50th in voter turnout for so long. And so now to see, you know, turnout getting doubled um, we, we, doubled turnout last cycle, um, and, and we had a million people vote in the primary runoff this cycle, millions voted in the primary. Um, but the primary runoff was in the middle of the pandemic, like the, 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 the peak of the pandemic. And, and so, you know, we've had our votes suppressed for so long. We're one of only a handful of states that haven't relaxed restrictions on vote by mail in the middle of covid Um, and we're, you know, 34 states have no excuse vote by mail and we're, we're not one of them. And I was raised to believe that if any other state can do something, Texas can do it better. So I don't understand why we haven't been able to figure this out. (laughs) I mean, I, I want answers from Greg Abbott and from his, you know, his allies. Um, it's clearly because they just don't want to be held accountable for their failures. They know that the more people who vote, the worse it is for them. Um, and I I think that, you know, if you've ever met a Texan, you know that the best way to get us to do something is to try to keep us from doing it. (laughs) So when you try to intimidate us out of something, when you try to scare us out of doing something, when you try to, you know, suppress our vote, that's when we're gonna stand up and say, No, you don't get to tell me what to do. I'm gonna go vote. Um and so I I think that, you know, all of the various things that we're seeing, we we have early vote starting in less than six weeks. Um, and I just want to encourage people, everybody listening to your podcast right now knows somebody in Texas. Either they're in Texas or they have a family member in Texas, they have a friend in Texas. I guarantee you, everyone listening knows someone in Texas. Reach out to that person and tell them to make sure to vote. Reach out to that person and tell them to bring five people with them to vote. To follow CDC guidelines, to socially distance, to wear a mask, to bring a, a Q-tip, to punch the button. Um, but, but go vote because they're trying to stop us from voting. Yeah, yeah.
1: well, I'm just... My wheels are turning about my family and friends in Texas. We will let them to do that. All of you, please do that. Um, and tell everyone to vote. Uh, I can say this, vote for MJ Hagar, military veteran MJ Hagar, Purple Heart recipient, trying to keep Texas at least purple, if not turn it blue. So folks, please, uh, website, MJ.
2: Yes, mjfortexas.com, thank you. I'm sure
1: you need some <laughs> money, folks, to send those small dollar donations, they help as well. Good luck to you. Maybe we'll talk again. Uh, and yes, if we can be helpful, just then. let us know. Okay.
2: Thank you so much. Sir. Stay safe. Okay. You
1: too. God bless you and your family. Okay. All right. Thank you.
2: so All right. Much.
1: God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever you get your podcast. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.